If you have a Bible, why don't you grab it, or if you want to dial it up on your smartphone and look at Psalm 23. Now, maybe you know the reference and maybe you don't, but once you see the psalm, you're going to say, oh yeah, I know which one that is. It's one of the ones that maybe you would learn in uh, vacation Bible school, or it's one that, that many have committed to memory, and I, uh, I want us this morning to read it, and I wish we could read it together. I know we have so many translations. Uh, I've chosen the ESV this morning because it is a little more modern, but it is really close to the King James that many of you might have learned as a kid, all right? So I just want you to listen to it. Let Let me read it over you, and then we'll ask God to be our teacher. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, Lord, we open your word with great reverence. We ask you to be our teacher. We pray that you would speak to us in a personal way because you know us individually. You know us. You know what we bring into this room. You know what we struggle with. So now we pray as we open your word and we listen for your voice, we pray a very simple prayer. Lord God, speak to my heart. If you can, pray that prayer out loud with me. Lord God, speak to my heart. And Lord, as you speak, we'll know that it's you. So we listen now for your voice in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're our guest this summer, we've been looking at the book of Psalms. I joked with Johnny a few weeks ago. I said, did you notice we picked something really cool? Because when you start looking around the nation, so many people have been preaching the summer in the book of Psalms. And uh, Pastor Johnny's been gone over at Central Campus quite a bit. And uh, so he's decided to preach Psalms starting next week. And so has he called you and asked for any of your notes or messages, Johnny? Okay, all right, okay, so you pass all that on to him, all right? Uh, he's entitled the, the sub-series that we, we need to sing, but we, we've entitled it, you know, Unto You, Lord. We've, we've been trying to say the Psalms show us how to lift our soul back into the Lord. Now, they've been addressing things with our head and with our hands and with our heart, But as we think about practically how we move into the Psalms, I just want you to think about picking a spot in your home. Maybe this is your regular routine in the morning. And you you get up and you you grab your Bible and you say, okay, it's a a big book. What am I going to read? And so you open it up and kind of in the center, there's the book of Psalms. And you go, there are 150 of them, okay? Uh, how do I choose what to read today? And one little key might be, uh, look at the calendar. Pick the day of the month and read that psalm. And for those of you that are really good with math, 
I'm just going to say this one more time because I don't want to confuse those of you who hate math, all right? If you're really good with math, use a base 30. Go 0, 30, 60, 90, 120. Add the day of the month, and you can get through it. The only challenge you're going to have is when you get to Psalm 119 because it's so long. But anyway, if you want to follow a pattern of knowing where to turn, some of them are going to be really short. So I want you just to imagine it's the 23rd day of the month. You open your Bible. You're trying to figure out where to go. And you open up Psalm 23 and you say, yeah, I know that. If you've been going to church for a long time, that's sometimes how we handle the familiar passage. And I confess to you, I, I told this to Johnny. I said, I am really struggling to preach Psalm 23 because it is so familiar. And I don't want to do it because it is often memorized. It is often quoted. It is even read at non-believers' funerals. they got to fix, find some passage to read. And so they, they read Psalm 23 because it's so, it's so comforting. And we could even play it down and think that as mature believers, we don't really need this passage. We need something more obscure and more complex. And struggling with that, can I really preach this that they all know? I mean, there's 150. Why can't I, why can't I do another one? I read this quote from Spurgeon. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, famous preacher, packed out the church in London, here's what he said. This 23rd Psalm is not worn out. It is as sweet in a believer's ear now as it was in David's time. And catch this phrase. Let novelty hunters say what they will. So if you wanted something a little more novel this morning. I mean, something a little more clever, uh, uh, something more obscure. Uh, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I'm in good company, all right? Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, get over your so-called maturity and let the Word of God speak to you. Now, I thought, you know, I can put together little words that tell you different points of the psalm, and I can try to show you this clever outline of how the psalm comes together, and, and I decided, you know, I could never be comprehensive enough. I could never do enough. But what I would like to do is take three words, and you're going to see that they're not necessarily in a great chronology. These three words are like a rope with three strands that you wrap together to make it strong. Because as soon as you think I'm through with one word and I move to the second, we're going to see the first word show up again, okay? But why don't we take these three words as a place to put our thinking if we're going to look at this. And the first word is personal. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, David knew something about sheep. I don't, okay? David knew something about sheep. He knew something about shepherding. He, could have, he knew something about what the shepherd does with the sheep, and he knew how dumb sheep were, okay? And he said, the Lord is my shepherd. 
Now, throughout the Old Testament, we see the leaders, whether it be the priests or whether it be the, the kings or whether it be the so-called prophets at times, some being false shepherds, some being true shepherds, some guiding the people of God. But David said, the Lord is my shepherd. Can you say that this morning? Is it true for you? Can you say, I know the Lord is my shepherd? Look, if you will, we pointed this out to you. The, the word Lord, when you see it, often most translations will capitalize the word Lord. All the letters will be capitalized. And that's trying to show you that it's the word Jehovah or the word Yahweh. And other times when you see the Lord capitalized, but not the rest of the letters capitalized, it's speaking of Adonai, which is that, that intimate lordship. But here, uh, don't try to press the meaning of the words. Just look at it. He's saying Yahweh, Jehovah God, eternal creator, sustaining God, is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. I, I read a story. I tried to decide if it was too sad to share, but I decided to share it. Okay? Please forgive me if it breaks your heart too deeply. All right? I read a story about a mother whose little boy was dying of cancer. And she was reading different passages of Scripture to him. And she came to this one and he said, oh, yes, Mommy, I know that one. Read it again. And she said, well, son, why don't we, why don't we memorize it? He said, okay, let's, let's look at that first part of how it starts. The Lord is my shepherd. You can just take your, your fingers and let them remind you of each word. The Lord is my shepherd. And look at that word for my son. You see this wedding band on, on mommy's hand? It, it's really good to know that when you get to that part in the Lord is my shepherd, to know that God is committed to you even more than a husband and wife commit to each other. He, he is so committed to you. He loves you. And the story said one day mom was sitting by the bed and he was struggling and she reached over. She kept trying to hold his hand. And he said, okay, mommy, you can touch me, but let me, let me do it this way. And he took his hand and he grabbed that ring finger he said, Mommy, because the Lord is my shepherd. This morning, there's nothing I could do to drive it home any deeper for you than to ask you, do you really know him? Can you say with great confidence, the Lord is my shepherd? Not that you should know about him. There's so many people that know about him, but may yet not know him. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, the second word I want to use, because we're going to get back to this personal part, all right? We're going to thread it through. But the second word I want to use in looking at this psalm is the word provision. He provides for us physically, spiritually, emotionally. He provides food. He provides rest. He provides restoration. He provides direction. Look at it. The Lord is my shepherd. There's nothing I lack. He makes me lie down in green pastures. 
Every time I try to tell you something I know about sheep is something I've read, <laughs> okay, because I don't know anything about it. But I've been told that the shepherd doesn't want to let them stay one place too long because he'll, the sheep will destroy the grass, okay? So if they get to go to this fresh green grass, he's moved them from one pasture to another. And there's sometimes we, we think the grass is greener on the other side. But in this case, it really is where the shepherd is moving the sheep to nourish them and to fill them up and it says he guides me he provides for me he nourishes me now how does the Lord do that in mind your life today well he leads us to his word and we pray Lord God speak to my heart he nourishes our hearts on his word I don't know about you but I I have thoughts come to my mind that I know are not of God Sometimes they're evil, sometimes they are sinful, sometimes they are fearful, sometimes they are discouraging, and I quickly have to grab my mind and move it to the Word of God and let the shepherd nourish my soul. We feed on his word. Listen to what Jesus said. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. That's John 6, 35a. The next verse, the next part of that verse says, And he who believes in me shall never thirst. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He provides rest for us, and he provides nourishment for us. He's the great provider. Now, the quiet waters are the waters that the hairy, clumsy sheep can walk into and drink. For those fast-moving waters, the wool and the clumsiness make it very dangerous for a sheep to drink. So, He provides for me green pastures. He leads me by the quiet waters. And think again of what Jesus said. He promised, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Then John adds this comment. This he spoke concerning the Spirit. Today, if you know Christ, in your heart... God has provided his word for you. He has provided from within his spirit to guide you to his word. He restores my soul. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He provides life-giving refreshment and rest to our soul. Now, KK says about me that I have two speeds, on and off. It's, it's really pretty true. And I've told you before, I can take a nap anywhere, anytime. If you want to, I can lay down right on the front row up here and let you guys carry on. And I could go to sleep. I mean, I'm really good at it, okay? I, I don't have sleep apnea or any other kind of problem. I just can turn it off. And I can go to sleep. 
But there's more to resting than just sleeping. Now, if you, have, if you need some sleep, it's good. But do you know how to just rest in the Lord? He restores my soul. It's quiet and it's okay. There's nothing to do and that's good. I can turn off my phone and that's all right. Now, where I work during the week at the North American Mission Board, supposedly we have this policy that we don't talk to each other between 7 p.m. on on Friday and 7 a.m. on Monday. And it applies to everybody but the president who writes me anytime he wants to, all right? And so I, I still look at my phone to see every time it dings and to see what's going on. And I'm telling you, It is not good for relationship, and it is not good for rest. He says here, he restores my soul. He takes me from being stuck or caught up in so many things, and he gives me life. Once again, I've read a lot about sheep, and I've learned that there's a a thing called cast when a sheep is cast now do you know what that means it doesn't mean you throw him okay it's not like casting okay it means he's he i guess he okay he's no i remember some she's too because it happens a lot with the pregnant ones all right that sheep roll up on their side and can't get up they were the first makers of the commercial. I've fallen and I can't get up, all right? They, they were there and could not stand. And a good shepherd, part of the reason he's counting the sheep is not only to see who's wandered off, but he's counting to see if the sheep has gotten up on its side and can't get up. And there are many great scholars that say, as they're trying to understand Shepherd David and what he's saying to restoring my soul, part of what he's saying is, he rescues me and gives me life. Now, I know that's true about Jesus. And so, as I think about this psalm, he provides. He not only provides nourishment and rest, he provides direction. Look at it. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. The old hymn, he leadeth me, O blessed thought. He leadeth me, he leadeth me, by his own hand he leadeth me. Can you say that the Lord is your shepherd and he is leading you? You're not running from him, you haven't drifted off from him, but he's leading you. Now, a modern-day navigational system knows how to find you right where you are and tell you how to go from where you are to where you want to be. And I promise you, if the Lord is my shepherd, he knows where I am. He knows where I ought to be. He knows the greatest path, and he leads me. I could preach another sermon on he leads me for his namesake. For the good of his name, he leads me. Some say that at this point, David is about to change his imagery. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. 
there are some that just, you know what scholars do, you know, like they just argue about stuff. You know, there are some scholars that just argue, no, he stays with the shepherd metaphor. Let me explain to you why. And there are plenty of other really good scholars that say, no, he now changes from the shepherd me- metaphor to the metaphor of the host. And you say, which one do you believe it is, pastor? I don't know, all right? I, I, I don't know. But it's, it's easy for me to go ahead and change now to the metaphor of the host because look at what he says as he provides for us as a host. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for your rod and your staff comfort me. And then in verse 5, he moves to the table. But what is this last part about the valley of the shadow of death? What is he trying to say to us here? As if this is where the shepherd part ends, what is he saying to me and you about walking through the valley of the shadow of death? I, I promised myself I would look at the clock and I would refuse to follow some of these little side trails that are so much fun. And I'm having trouble, okay? But I, I want to say to you this valley of the shadow of death The shadow is cast by death. But we know when we step into death's shadow that the victory is won. I I can't say that death is not painful. I've never taken that trip. But I can say this. I've been present at the bedside of many who have. And I've seen what the scripture promises here. That the way we walk through the valley of the shadow of death is because you are with me. Now be a great place to stop and sing again. Never once have I ever walked alone. Never once did you leave me on my own. Lord, you're so faithful. Yes, you are faithful. When we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to be afraid of the evil that's before us because we know he is with us. We know his rod and his staff are comforting us. Now, as this metaphor seems to change, as we've looked at the word for his provision and we've looked for the word for his presence, now let's look at his presence as a host. Interesting, isn't it? Verse 5, some make a big deal out of the fact that the pronouns change. Or the the way it's directed, the Lord is my shepherd, is talking about him. Then when it gets down to, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel relief because you are with me. Now he's not just talking about this other shepherd. He's talking about his personal presence with him. So he moves and says, Here's another way of looking at it. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's a weird place to put a banquet table, right? I mean, most of the time, soldiers are eating on the run, if they eat at all. 
But he's saying here, in the presence of my enemies, you tell me just to relax and pull up to the table and you've prepared everything I need. And I keep looking over my shoulder and you keep telling me, look, I'm here with you. Why don't you eat what I've put before you? In the presence of my enemies, he anoints my head with oil. Do you know what that's about? Oh, those that would argue that he's still talking about the shepherd would talk about how the oil would be used to, to keep the bugs away or to, to put the oil on the head to cover up where the shepherd, where the sheep might have been damaged and, and, and bitten or somehow bleeding. But those who move to the host metaphor say it's that banquet refreshing of anointing with oil maybe perfume-like oil. Remember Jesus when the lady came in and she was washing his feet and she was pouring the oil on his feet and they were rebuking Jesus for not telling her to quit wasting that. He said, what's the deal? When I came here, you weren't that good a host. I mean, so many words. You weren't that good a host. You didn't wash my feet. And she's been washing my feet with her tears. And, and you didn't anoint my head with oil, which was customary. And here she is anointing my feet with oil. Leave her alone. When we think about what the, the Lord has provided for us, and we think about the Lord's presence, he anoints our head with oil. Our cup overflows. And then I, I want to go just for a moment on those last couple of verses. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I, I kind of like now going back to the shepherd metaphor because I see two sheepdogs, goodness and mercy. The shepherd's going before me. The sheepdogs are coming behind me, barking at me, encouraging me to get back on path. KK and I were on our Last really big anniversary, uh, we were able to go away, and we took her dream trip to Scotland. I put about 2,200 miles on the wrong side of the road. And uh, I, was, I was really proud just doing that, okay? Flew into London, rented a car, drove it, went all over Scotland. Uh, part of what we decided to do was go out and chase little castles, and we would try to find castles and, and go and see the different ones. And one day we were on this little bitty road, and we came around this corner. It was supposed to be two-way, but it was one little road. Came around this corner, and we looked, and there were just sheep all in the middle of the road. And uh, she said, oh, goody, this is, uh, you know, and it's like, they're in the way, you know, but I, okay, I'll enjoy this for a moment, all right? So we're watching these sheep, and it was so cool to, the shepherd takes his truck, opens up the gate, moves over into the next pasture. And jumping off the truck are these two sheepdogs. And they run around behind the, the, the sheep and they just start barking and moving them right through the gate and bringing them there. And I, I can't think of surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life without seeing those little sheepdog in my mind. One's name, Goodness. One's name, Mercy, barking me into the direction of the great shepherd, moving me with him, and I know I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. For David, this was the tabernacle. It was his son who built the temple. 
But David had enough understanding to know that God could never live in a building made with hands. God doesn't live in this place. I, I come in here and I think about worshiping here with you. But when we say amen in a few minutes and you're sent out the back door, you don't leave God in here. David was saying, I'm going to live in the presence of my personal provider forever. Now, I'm out of time, so I'm only going to ask you, if you're taking notes, to write down two passages of Scripture that I'd like you to look at on your own. One is found in John chapter 10, where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Let me tell you a couple of things I hope you notice when you read it. He said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. He said, my sheep don't follow some other shepherd. Once again, reading a lot about sheep, I have seen stories and observed a little bit in Israel how the sheep would all go to a common watering hole, but they don't brand sheep, okay? And somehow the shepherd knows every little mutt's face, okay? Uh, And he's named them all. And so when it comes time to leave the watering hole, one shepherd goes over here, one shepherd goes over there, one goes over there, and they start hollering, saying, hey, over here, let's go. And those really dumb sheep recognize the voice of their shepherd, and they go to follow the voice of their shepherd. That's pretty amazing stuff. Jesus had an audience that understood sheep much better than you. And he said, they don't follow some shepherd that they don't know. They know my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. A lot of good stuff in John 10. I'm just going to leave it alone, all right? But I do want to tell you one more thing that comes to mind every time I read Psalm 23. We've been talking to you about praying Luke 10 2. The parallel passage of Luke 10 2 is Matthew 9. It's Matthew's recording of at least the same challenge, if, if not the same occasion. Jesus was going from village to village in Matthew 9, verse 36 or so says, and then he saw the multitude. And the scripture says, he saw, he saw them weary and worn out. Listen to this phrase, like sheep without a shepherd. I almost want to make you say it with me to make sure you get it. Like sheep without a shepherd. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means if I want to, I can go read Psalm 23 and hear the great song that comes from my heart about my shepherd. But I can look at someone who doesn't know Christ and I can hear the minor key that sounds like a funeral dirge. And if we could hear what their heart was trying to sing, it might sound something like this. I don't have a shepherd and I'm filled with want. I keep cramming things into my life and nothing satisfies. 
I don't know how to pay my bills. I don't know what's going to happen next. I'm so lonely and I'm so empty. And I have absolutely no direction for my life. Take Psalm 23 this week and make it negative. No one's leading me and I'm trying to make a name for myself, but it's not working. And when I walk through hard times and death, I am so afraid because I am so alone. And I'm convinced that problems and pain will follow me all the days of my life. And then I will die. What will happen when I die? That's why Jesus wept over the multitude. Because he could see them shepherdless. So his disciples saw him crying and came over to him. And I could almost see him take his hands and point out over the crowd and say, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So pray the Lord of the harvest that he will send workers into his harvest. I don't know if you noticed it, but I skipped over in Psalm 23, the second little phrase, because I wanted to end with it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Boy, that'd be a great test this morning for you. Are your wants and desires eating you up? Or can you bow your head and be content with Jesus? I'm telling you, when you find out he's all you have, you know that he's all that you need. And when you find out that he's really all that you have, you find out he is enough. So would you bow your heads and see if you can say it? The Lord is my shepherd. I'm content with him. I believe in him. I know that he is enough to satisfy the deepest longing of my soul. Today, if you don't know him, I invite you to Christ. Hear his voice calling, saying, I want to be your shepherd. I want to provide for you and I want to guide you and I want to meet the deepest needs of your soul come and follow me hear his voice like the shepherd away from the sheep and you hear it and you turn and say Jesus who died on the cross to pay for my sin and rose from the dead to live forever would you be the king and shepherd of my heart And today, if you know him, but you've been cramming things into your life, and at least lately, you've not been satisfied. Today, let the Word of God call you back to where you belong to say, the Lord is my shepherd. He satisfies the deepest longing of my soul. Lord, we thank you for how you speak to us from your Word. I pray now that you'd continue to speak as we come to this closing song and prayer. In Jesus' name.